Hey, talking hockey on June the 9th, 2019. The only thing better would be talking hockey on Wednesday, June the 12th, the day of a game seven. It's game six Sunday. Ken Laird here. Pete Blackburn, CBS, is here. Matt Kalman is on his way to the airport. We'll see if against all odds he gets to St. Louis without delay. Supposedly a direct flight, which is a shocker. Thank you, Entercom, and uh, we'll see if Kalman can... Uh, Beyond uh, even uh, further expectations, have a good call in postgame, Pete. I'm not sure that's possible, Doubt but it. we'll see. We'll see if he has – early – key column from uh, Kalman after game two. After game two? What the, uh, I believe it was after after the overtime loss. Everything going to be all right. That was the Matt Kalman piece after the Gunnarsson overtime goal. 3-2, which evened up the series at one game apiece. He got uh, slaughtered for that on Mutton Callahan and other uh, – Shows right. we we gave him the business here on this uh, program. I think his overall sentiment was because at that point the top guns had not been uh, firing. Uh, Pasternak, Marchand, Bergeron, Krejci, the the, the the usual names. Right. Uh, I had talked to Krug at the Garden after that game, and Krug basically we played the clip. I think that uh, Sunday skate as well. He said this has happened before. Uh, our our top guys sometimes it takes a while to get going. They'll figure it out. They'll get loose. And the next game, 7-2, to four power play goals. Bergeron had the beautiful power play goal in the first period. That one won the faceoff, uh, the deflection goal. And it felt, although we did discuss that, right? I we, told you. you I, said, I told you, you said, on the show. Yes. It's all, the, all that production came on the power play. There's uh, not a lot of reason to say they've got it going because it all came on the power play. For the most part, you're right. Like, uh, obviously, they scored seven in that game. Uh, Coyle had a great goal also in the first period, like a 200-foot play, went back behind his own goal line, uh, right. back-checked. Uh, he and Johansson connected. Corrali had a nice goal. Pasaduck scored early in the second. So, yes, yes, you're right. When you're talking about just the first line, it, 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 it wasn't um, clear evidence that they had turned it around, but everybody was contributing in their role in 7-2. to two. And Pretty much the Blues were buried in this town after that game. Right. Uh, except by Pete Blackburn. But, I mean, the bo- both games that they won came from the strength of special teams and the depth. Right. And what changed? And, oh, by the way, that's a win in St. Louis where you had uh, all the pregame fanfare with Layla and you had uh, Brett Hull uh, with the Let's Go Blues. I mean, it was an unbelievable first 10 minutes and an atmosphere at Enterprise Center, and Boston just totally kicked their ass, shred, and so that led into the feeling of, you know, you're halfway home and you're feeling awfully good about this series. Yep. So what changed? Well, Craig Berube worked the refs. We just heard Paul Stewart there a little bit. Uh, if you if you caught the back end of the uh, the six a.m. hour on the replay of Dalen Key, former NFL official, he does not want to hear that something said in the media could affect on ice officials. This is coming from a former on ice official who says, you don't understand, Keith. you're not there. The coaches talk with the refs every day, every, you know, during, a, during a playoff run, and particularly the cup finals. They make their case about what was missed, what was not missed. I'm sure that's true. I'm sure Paul Stewart's right about that. But don't you think if Barubi was that active in the media, he's been working these guys even harder behind the scenes? I mean, he can say whatever he wants, but the evidence is clear as day. The officiating changed in the series after Craig Barubi made his comments. It's It's not even... The, the proof is in the pudding. I mean, it's absolutely ridiculous how much the officiating shifted. Because after that, the, the game four, I believe the Bruins had two power plays. I can't remember necessarily one that was like egregiously missed in that game. I don't know if, if you do, but it was just you. It was just a sense of they're letting them play. Well, it you, was 
in game four, it was more of a case of uh, St. Louis getting power plays that they didn't deserve. It was the Tarasenko uh, flop. The that flop. Was clearly. Which I got to say, I, I bought that one in real time. Like watching it, I thought, okay, he got clipped. Sure. I mean, you throw your head back, that's a call most of the time. Uh, and then the the trip on Steen was uh, the Heinen penalty, which was ridiculous. Right, right. And then in Game 5, it was a case of obviously them not calling things that the Bruins deserved. which Well, Game 5 was an atrocity, and we'll get there. And obviously Yvonne Barbashev got suspended for one game by the NHL Department of Player Safety, so it was not just two the Two end. suspensions in this series that resulted in a, in a total of two penalty minutes. That's true, and and actually, that's the other thing that has swung the series. When you think about it, that was the the grizzly hit from Sunquist, and that came in Game Two. Now, this was before the politicking and before the Bruins took a two one lead in the series. Uh, so the Blues won that game three to two, but they not only controlled the last, I would say, the last third period at overtime. It was there was a sense of yep. in the building they're taking over this game. Right, this is like uh oh, St. Louis. Now we're seeing St. Louis when they get going five on five. They it felt, can, they it can felt take like a control. win. It felt like a win that the Bruins had gotten to overtime in the first place, and then when when overtime rolled around, they just got absolutely steamrolled. Right, and I do think there was a good chance, maybe late in the game, by Bergeron. Thinking back on that, it was like Bergeron and I had a chance to maybe steal one, uh, but Gunnarsson hit a post too, and then of course Gunnarsson put it in, so it was over. And after the game, Grizzlicks out, and Tuca had been run a couple times in that game as well. So we were, you know, asking some of the players about whether they felt this was a, a tactic, an intentional tactic, and nobody was really buying into that. But it was the start of seeing St. Louis for who they were. They're a big physical team that's going to go after small defensemen on the Bruins. Grizzlick, one of them. And uh, as we've seen in previous series, just the attrition. San Jose had nobody left by the time Game 6 came around. As you predicted in that series, St. Louis was going to win. The cream was going to rise to the top. So here we are, the morning of Game 6, after all this. And Game 6 in St. Louis doesn't sound good. On one hand, the Blues have been very mediocre at home. On the other hand, they've closed out all three series at home. On the other hand, you know they've lost Barbashev, but we saw them lose Sunquist and they bounced back. And actually, in, in some kind of an odd way, it forced them to put Zach Sanford into the lineup, who's been uh, kind of a savior for them. Yeah. He's, yeah, with, with Ryan O'Reilly, they've changed some things. So they've adjusted from already a suspension in this series, and they dropped Sammy Blade down. But I will say that the game that they lost Sunquist, they got they got rolled. The He's first big, game big without part, that's right, big part of that fourth line. And that was Barbashev the is game. too. So uh, that fourth line has been huge for the Blues. Losing Barbashev is is no small thing. Then in 2011, the Bruins came back from a three two deficit to the Canucks. Obviously, different scenario. That game six uh, was in Boston, and you forced it and uh, went back. For a, you know a, a wild scene in Vancouver, this has uh, also a similar feeling though to the Blackhawks series in 2013 in some ways because uh, in that one you had a two one lead and Bergeron got hurt and so you're losing bodies. Chara is uh, uh, not hurt; uh, he's not I mean, he's going to play, but uh, obviously he's going to be limited here. So you got all these things juggling around in your head here on a Game Six morning, plus the officiating and everything that's uh, been politicked here in the last couple of days. So just in general, what's the Pete Blackburn mood here on Game Six morning? I, I mean, it, it, you clearly are, are not feeling great given the way that the series has played out over the past couple of games. And, uh, you know, and this despite you partying all day yesterday with DJ Bean yes. and like pictures all over social media yes. and you, you got you got it out of your system. Right. I mean, I did. Yeah, I got my uh, my celebration out. But I mean, <laughs> it, it's it's a weird feeling because your top players are not producing. That makes you feel bad. But also you have to recognize the fact this series can turn on a dime 
if those top players produce because the Bruins are are outplaying St. Louis in some areas. I mean, you look at goaltending, I think the Bruins still have the advantage there. I'm not crazy about Jordan Bennington. Special teams are obviously in the Bruins' favor if they actually get some damn calls. Um, but, I, you know, I, I think that if you start getting some production out of that top six, this series is still can be yours, but you need that production. You do need the production, and they got it in game six against the Leafs, right? I mean, that was another, uh, if you want to compare it to being down 3-2, well, in a more recent uh, example, uh, that was looking somewhat dire going uh, right. We were on the show. Up there, game we six. We were on the show mm-hmm. saying this, this, uh, this season is a waste. Johansson's uh, deadwood. Right. And so, I mean, that, that series flipped. And then they, they rolled over the Leafs in game seven, thanks to uh, some soft goals early, Dermott with the mistake. And, uh, you know, the, the, Toronto has their issues. Yeah, I don't uh, think you're going to get those gifts. I, I don't think you're going to get those kind of gifts here. But, 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 the, but the point is the Bruins, when pushed down 3-2, the leadership in that room uh, never flinched. They went up and played one of their best games of, this, of the playoffs at Game 6. I think they even fell behind one nothing in the game. And they, I forget the particulars of that Game 6 now. But anyway, it was, by the end of it, they played a great, great road game and came back and won the series. So I'm not saying they're out. Uh, Grizzlick and his status yesterday. Non-contact red jersey, not cleared from the concussion. So they've lost two games since he's been out and really lost three games because he barely played in uh, game two. So they were playing with 5D in that uh, second game. So it kind of uh, the war of attrition caught up with them in-game there as well a little bit if you want to make an excuse there. there. So they're, they're really one and three here with, without Matt Grizzlick. Uh, how important is he, and do you think uh, there's a chance he plays even though he didn't uh, participate in the practice yesterday? Seems unlikely, but, I mean, he, he is important, but you also look at the fact that two of the games that they lost in the series, they were down to five defensemen, and I think that's that's a big factor, and, and that's why I like the fact that they dressed 70 in, in, in Game 5. Um, I doubt it happens again, maybe. But Cassidy was asked about that, and he basically said it's not our style to paraphrase. Like, uh, he, I got the sense he's not going to do 7D again, right? Yeah, I, I think that it was insurance for Chara if uh, if if Chara couldn't really play. They yeah. put, they throw him out there, and, uh, you know, he, he can't really go. You, you got an insurance defenseman. I don't think it Would, happens again because Chara clearly can play. He can play. I mean, uh, clearly, you know, the start of the third period, he's late coming onto the bench, and there was like, uh-oh, there's something's going on here, you know. So to your point, the, the insurance was a really a real thing. They sort of needed it there just to make sure, that, and, you know, by the third period the guy could breathe. Right, and I mean, it wasn't like pulling back us out of the lineup was you're not losing a ton there. And so, I mean, if you double shift Pasternak, then that's it is what it is. And it, it obviously, I think that was the, the clear, the smart move from Cassidy. I'm glad that he made it. I don't know if it happens again. But, but I mean, losing Grizzlick was obviously big. He's, he's a big depth defenseman. He's been good for this team all year long. Um, you know, and at this point, the fact that he was still non-contact is a bit concerning. I don't think that it's worth banking on him playing in game six. Well, if he doesn't play and if Chara is totally healthy, then they're just back to Chara and McAvoy, Krug and Carlo, and John Moore plays with Connor Clifton. So you're playing with 6D and you're expecting them to you carry, know, the weight. carry the weight for the whole game and you're back to 12 forwards. If you believed 7D, though, was the right call for the last game, why don't you think it, it just – you don't think it worked in the last game or, or does it get them out of uh, – no, I, th- I, think it was, I think it was a Chara thing. It was, you know, just you don't, for Chara. You, you don't know if, if Chara is going to be able to play um, – 
and, and heading into that game, it was worth carrying the extra insurance if he was not able to go or if something happened to him in that game. So, But if Bacchus stinks right. and is insignificant, then what's the point of putting him back in, I guess? Well, I think I think that they have to shift the shift the lines. Period. I I really think that for as good as that third line has been, I would love to see them break them up and stack the top six because you know you stick Coyle uh, on that first line, Johansson on the second line, and just really run those guys into the ground because y- you you need production on on the top six, and I think that it's worth it's worth breaking up the third line, which has been really good. Uh, it's it's worth breaking them up to say. If we're going to lose, we're going to go down swinging with the with the top six, trying to get the much as much out of them as we can. Wow! So, you, so you're saying you'd put Coyle on with the, Bergeron and Marchand. Marchand, Bergeron, Coyle. Yeah. Pasternak dumps down, but not only that, DeBrusque's out, and you put Johansson, Krejci, and and Pasternak. Uh, and Pasternak. Yeah. Wow. That's a drastic change. I, I mean, you have to. I mean, well, I, I don't say you have to, but I mean, you, there needs to be something that gets switched up because th- you're not getting the production out of the top six. You need to make a drastic change because you're not going to win this series without any top six production. Then you're left with, and I guess these guys don't even play much for you, uh, DeBrusque, Heinen, Backus, who, who centers your third line? <laughs> you just said you basically play Bacchus. the fourth line as the third line and don't play the, the rest are just random parts that are on the bench. Yeah, I think you run the top six into the ground. That's not going to happen, though. That's that's I, 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 It's a bold idea. I, I, I like your outside-the-box thinking. Do you, do you think Cassidy would consider that? Uh, I mean... I mean, he did. He put Coyle up there for a shift, so it's not like he's... A, he's I don't think it's out of the question, but, I mean, it's it seems like it, it, it probably won't happen, but that's what I think they should do. All right, so Pete Blackburn is, is suggesting here at 7.14 a.m. on Sunday Skate a total rework of the top... Six, and basically he's saying roll two lines for the entire game. I would do it. That's unbelievable. So Martian, Bergeron, and Coyle is your new top line. Pasternak's out. I actually, this is why I liked the 7D. I liked seeing more Pasternak with Krejci. Uh, I've liked that all along. I think those those guys have pretty good chemistry. No, they didn't score. Krejci still hasn't scored a 5-on-5 goal in the series. But they had some chances. I felt like for the first time in the series, they were a little more alive. So I don't hate that. Uh, DeBrusque did score a goal for you, but, but it was sort of so fluky. For the rest he of the he game. has looked bad. And he's been stripped off the top power play, by the way, right? Uh, in favor of Johansson. So that's a change that I think uh, our Matt Cowman suggested on our podcast we did Friday, and it's an obvious one. Uh, but, you know, you know it's, it's you have to do it, right? Because you got to, I mean, Johansson's going to help you get in the zone and get set up. So they're making some changes. Johansson's looked like their best forward. In this he series. has. I mean, he has. But now he and Coyle have had chemistry together, so are you concerned about breaking those two up? Is yeah. That, is that the tandem that, uh, you know, should you just play Johansson and Coyle? If that's your best line in the series, don't don't mess with what's working. Give them some extra help. Get Heinen off their line. But they haven't been good enough to, to win you games. <laughs> oh, yeah, I know. That's what I'm saying. Like, it, it, they've been really good, and it does worry me to break them up, but... Uh, both of those guys have been good individually, so I like giving them to the top six and then running those guys into the ground. I, I don't. Th- I wouldn't go that drastic. I'd just rather see Carson Coleman in there if you're going to go 12. Now, he hasn't played in a while. Bacchus, I don't know where his head is. Uh, he, there is the you know the emotional factor of him going back to St. Louis, I guess, and maybe he sparks you in that building where he played all those years. So maybe there's a sentimentality there, or a, is he just breathing fire after getting benched in Game 5? You could, they showed the one shot of him up in the press box, and I'm thinking... What is going through his head right now? This so Cassidy had the balls to bench me in a Cup final game against St. Louis. Are you kidding me? It was that was a, a ballsy, gutsy move because we were talking about it and we were wondering if he had 
the uh, the chutzpah to actually do that. Yeah, and to to pull him out of the lineup. And again, I I like the move. I think that it was a very very smart decision. But you know, how how many times we're we going to talk about what David Backus gives to the lineup if he's inserted back in after being scratched? I mean, yeah, he's it, he's at best like a pincushion. He gets, right. he takes some shots and distracts away from the play, right. or uh, uh, he just doesn't. Uh, I don't well, think Coleman's the answer either. I think I mean. Coolman is the yeah. answer. See, this is what yes, you need. Yeah. Yes, yes, yes. Carson Coolman turns the Cup final in Game Six. Oh God, no! I mean, but I, but he does bring a speed factor. I know that's like uh, it's it's a cliche. They're a heavy team. You need to beat uh, physicality with speed. But I do think there's something to that. Uh, where do you stick with him, Grizzly though, I put the... him on Krejci's wing, I guess. Yeah. Um, I wouldn't play him much. I would still double shift Pasternak to be honest. Maybe not as much as you did in in uh, in Game Five. So he plays with Krejci some, and then Kuhlman comes in. And he, the 10 minutes he gives you will be better than the 10 minutes Bacchus would give you. I would honestly, I mean, if you're going to double shift anybody, I think it's it should be Johansson. Johansson. Yeah, rather than Pasternak. Well, in that sense, maybe just Johansson and Coyle will get more shifts. Uh, the other problem is the fourth line's been awful good uh, you know, for most of the playoffs, except, as you point out, during the uh, Leaf series, uh, going into game six, we basically said the fourth line wasn't good enough. They but, also got absolutely steamrolled in, uh, in game four. Against against the Blues' fourth line, got dominated. Well, and and that's the interesting part too. Now this series switching back to St. Louis, the fourth line, whatever is left of it, because uh, Barbashev is out. When the games have been in St. Louis, that matchup for Barubi has been put the fourth line out against Bergeron. He's wanted that yep. matchup, and he's gotten it, and they've done a pretty good job. And it's not just them, of course. It's uh, obviously Pareko and Bomeister who are out there with them at all times as well. So. But let's say that's the case. If if he's putting his fourth line out against the Bergeron line, now Corrali goes, uh, you know, are they out there against Shen, Schwartz, and Tarasenko? Um, what's your matchup there? What, what's your, what's your, what would you do, you, do you concern yourself with that and still try to keep this a, uh, you know, a 2-1 road type of game? Or are you uh, not worried about matchups at all if you're Bruce Cassidy? Because it appears he has not been worried about matchups. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't think, matchups don't particularly worry me because these are, two teams that can and, and will roll four lines, and I think that you just have to worry about getting production out of out of your guys because they haven't done it. And, I mean, it doesn't really match, matter who you're going up against. It's going to be a tough a tough opponent, tough matchup. That fourth line is is difficult. But, I, again, I think that losing Barbashev is, is pretty significant for that fourth line, uh, no matter who slots in, because that fourth line has been really, really good for the Blues in the last two series. Yeah, I would agree. That's that's something else to hang your hat on this morning. I would think, as you pointed out, they lost the other game when Sundquist was hurt. They're suspended. But Bruins rolled in that game 7-2 to on the road, despite the atmosphere. And so maybe it's the same thing. Maybe, you know, losing one part of this uh, machine for St. Louis is enough to throw them off kilter to force a game 7. So um, I do think that's a real possibility tonight. But... The matchup that I just would like to see Cassidy try to get away from, and I don't know why he doesn't, is Bergeron against Pareko. Bergeron and Marchand against Pareko. Now, it's it's hard to do. I mean, those guys are out there a ton. He's basically playing like 5D. But wouldn't you, if Bortuzzo or Vince Dunn is playing tonight or uh, even Gunnarsson, wouldn't you rather see Marchand get a couple shifts against those guys? Yeah. And it almost never happens. So can't you, like, uh, quick shift or... Uh, you throw him out there on a faceoff, get him off the ice quick. It just doesn't seem like Cassidy worries himself with that at all. Yeah, I and mean, by, and when and you, when you're sitting here with an, a five game sample, when, when your top line has no goals five on five, you would think that would be a concern. Yeah, well, I mean, you 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 certainly want to get them uh, going in any way that you can do it. So I think that if you can get a matchup 
uh, or a couple shifts against away from Pareko and and to to his credit, Bo Meester's looked better than I expected. Much better than I expected. <laughs> yeah, and I mean, I came on before. I thought he was dead. I, that's what I said. I I said before the series, I thought they were going to expose him, and and I thought that that was a a big uh, big advantage for the Bruins, and they haven't been able to do that. But I the think only they, guy that got exposed was uh, Edmondson, and he's been pulled from the series. I mean, Barubi has done a really nice right. job of recognizing what's not working and making the changes. I think I think Cassidy's been out coach, no question. Um, totally agree. So you know, but I. I Going back to the, your point, I do think that you want to get a shift or two uh, against uh, you know a favorable matchup against that top line just to see if you can get them going. Just now and then, I mean, uh, you don't have to overreact, uh, you know, to the point where you, your whole game plan is you know being thrown out of whack. But uh, you know, a shift or two, yeah, every every now and then, just to throw a curveball in there and get those guys going, I would think that makes some sense. But bottom line, Pete Blackburn is proposing drastic changes here this morning. He wants to roll two lines and load up Johansson and Coyle, spread out the wealth on lines one and two. Do you agree? 617-779-7937. Fucking some line juggling and combinations here on the Stanley Cup Final Game 6 morning. I would just rather see Kuhlman in and back us out. And I think we're both of the mindset now that 6D is probably what's going to happen tonight. He's not going to go with 7D. Chara is ready to go. Coming up, we will hear from Zdeno Chara speak to the media yesterday. He and Tuca were trotted out uh, and put at podiums out in Enterprise Center, and Chara gave, uh, what, John Anderson, about two, three minutes of uh, talking through clenched teeth? Yeah, he didn't sound too happy, but he also wasn't moving his mouth very much, so that's probably why. Well, there, there were also there were questions being peppered at him, and the visual, if you watch, the, is Tuca like, putting his hand over his face. like he, He's so, so uncomfortable that Chara has to answer these questions and that the media is asking him how he's feeling and he's jaw broken. And... Yeah, Chara literally just looks like an angry Eastern European man. <laughs> just the, the, exactly what you picture is what he looked like. And Tuca, who has been like totally stoic. like They show those pregame clips of Tuca Rask in the spotlight at the Garden. He doesn't flinch. He looks like he doesn't um, look like he enjoyed a second of this playoff run. No, nor does he look like he's even aware that he's in a, a stadium <laughs> right. with seventeen thousand people. I used to love on ESPN. I don't know if you used to watch the old hits with John Clayton, where they would have him on like this uh, screen, and Clayton would have this uh, amazing ability. They would ask him a question, he'd answer it, and then his face would freeze, and he would just kind of sit there, and like his mouth would like it would be stuck in the same position of the last word that was out of his mouth, and he would just. Not move for like five seconds. That's like Tuca on the ice. They show him, and he just does not move. He just stands there. So he's not been like emotionally phased at all. Nope. The only time he's been emotionally phased is this press conference with Char, where they're asking Char questions, and he's like totally uncomfortable and rubbing his face up and down. And, he's just, and Char will not say that he has a broken jaw. He barely can say anything, but it is, it is must-listen-to audio. So we're going to play that coming up for you next. And we have to, of course, talk about the officiating, the state of the officiating in the NHL. As we get going here on Sunday Skate, we're with you only until 9 this morning. Our uh, third man, Matt Calvin, is at uh, Logan. He's going to be checking in, I think, at 8.30, provided he gets through security. He'll get uh, his last words on the series. We want your thoughts as well, 617-779-7937. First, a trending here on Sports Radio WEI. Anything with Matt Grizzlick and how he's progressing? He's not. hasn't been medically cleared, uh, so he's still in the red. Okay, and... Um, I know at this time of year, all out possibilities of what having guys want to do whatever it takes. A guy like Chris Wagner, who just took the ice a few minutes ago, any possibility of someone like him? Tomorrow, doubtful. Uh, I'll put it there. Um, I guess they could wake up in the morning, they could tell me he's, he's got a chance, but I have not got that news yet. Uh, so I doubt he'd play. Game seven, potentially being, you know, with the three extra days, 
could be a possibility, but I doubt he'd play him. So there's Bruce Cassidy at Enterprise Center yesterday, the quick uh, silence of the question about Matt Grizzlick. But I'm not rolling him out today. I want to see the game day skate. He doesn't need a, a day before practice. If he's good to go, if he's clear today, I think he goes. Uh, concussions, obviously nothing uh, Concussions, nothing to mess with Pete. So if he's feeling uh, symptoms and he's not cleared, I'm sure it's for a reason, right? He's, he's obviously having some brain issues, and uh, that's scary in and of itself. It shows yeah, how I severe mean, that hit was. Yeah, you, I mean, you don't want to rush him back. You know, it I, I think that he's important, but not not that important to rush him back uh, from a concussion. So, I, I I don't think that he plays. Yeah, you can you can stand in your corner and say that you know you're holding out hope, but I I doubt it. Honestly. I would hearing that I doubt it as well. Now Chris Wagner, I had kind of forgotten about uh, their fourth line has been pretty uh, solid without him. So Nordstrom, Corrali, Achari, and then you throw Wagner into the mix. Would they then bench Achari if Wagner's healthy and, and put him back? into that uh, trio, or at this point, I mean, he's saying probably not game six. It would be tough to see it for game seven as well. Uh, but who knows? Uh, he's, he's another piece to choose from, so keep that in mind. But the bigger story is Zdeno Chara. I think it's a bigger story. He played uh, over 16 minutes. Uh, I thought maybe you'd get four to ten at most out of him, mostly PK time. They well surpassed that. Uh, he was a minus one, if you you know, plus minus, nobody uses anymore. But anyway, he was on the ice for the one goal against the O'Reilly goal, the Sanford pass. Uh, did you give Char any criticism for that? Because uh, there was some thought that you know he was he's got the front of the net and he decided to go behind the net and seal off the wraparound, uh, so he made a choice and then abandoned the front of the net. But you know the way I look at it, McAvoy just got a, had a pass go through his legs, so that that can't happen. Uh, right? Yeah, you know, no. I, I mean, I thought that they they the defense as a whole. I thought they played well. I mean, it, it's hard to hold that goal against them. I mean, it was a really nice play in the the pass, um, and you know it's. A, a, a nice play from the Blues, and I, I thought overall the Bruins' defense looked good, and especially Chara played more than I expected him to. I thought you said four to what did you say four to ten? I thought yeah, four to ten minutes. I thought in that I thought range. like ten to twelve, and he obviously surpassed that, and so because I thought there was a chance he would just play on the PK, like he plays three or four minutes of shorthanded time, and that's it. Yeah, no, but, I mean he he looked good, uh, you know, not not noticeable in terms of of. You know that that injury affecting him. I mean, so, ten seconds in, he tries to hit Chen, you know, right. <laughs> at the board and get the reverse hit and everything else. So he's obviously trying to prove a point. Right. And from there, it's like, okay, let's go. Right. And so I I think that that's why you you go back to sixty because he's clearly good enough to uh to to play those minutes and um you, know, you put a forward back in the lineup. So uh yeah, I, I think overall it, it's it's tough to to blame either of those goals on on the Bruins defense in in, in game five. Yeah, obviously, you know that that one goal was a nice play, and then the second one—I mean, we'll talk about it—but it was clearly a gift, gift from the gods. Now, uh, here's Chara yesterday at the at the podium, uh, <laughs> which is awesome that he just he went out there and tried to speak. I, I'm I'm going to trust Christian Fourier's reporting. I think he has a broken jaw. I think uh, you know that was pretty evident. It was either a, I don't know what else it could have been. Right. It could have it could have been a concussion, I guess. I mean, so credit to Fourier for having it first, but I mean, what else was it going to be? It could have been a concussion. He took like you know, it took a shot to the jaw, so he, maybe he was uh, in protocol. I guess that would be the only other thing that I could think. So in the third period, he came back and, uh, but if that you know, if, honestly, if that was the case, I'm not even sure they would let a guy back on the bench if he's concussed right. just to sit there. Is that I'm not even sure that's ever happened. Well, normally, if you're in concussion protocol, you're just off the ice, you pull yeah. it off the ice. So probably not. But anyway. Let's throw Fourier a bone. He's had a tough week. I'm going to say it's a broken jaw. Now, Char wouldn't admit that, 
But here we go. Two minutes of Zdeno Chara speaking or attempting to speak with a broken jaw. Reporters asking him questions yesterday. Zdeno, I was wondering if you could just walk us through how you felt playing in the last game. And also, is your jaw broken? I feel fine uh, playing. <clears throat> Obviously, it was a quick, uh, quick turnaround after uh, uh, last game here. Uh, but I, I felt fine. What, what are your limitations in terms of, of, kind of just the, the pain tolerance you're going through and, and just kind of what you can't do out there because of, of the injury? I don't think there's no limitations. Uh, you know, still able to play. Zidano, uh, are you able to eat uh, food properly now or what's the challenge there to, to get yourself ready? Yeah, I'm trying to always eat as much as I can and you know, keep my keep my uh, nutrition's up and uh, fluids up. Uh, question for for both you guys: um, Are you expecting, or is Butch the, the kind of coach to come in in a game before Game Six and kind of give some kind of motivational speech, or is it simply just put on the players and to know what is at stake here? Well, I think that before every game we have meetings and we we talk about you know, what we want to do and. Um, <clears throat> how we want to play, and it's pretty obviously it's a, it's a big game. But uh, I think it's going to be you know shared responsibility between players, uh, coaching staff, and all of us uh, to do the share of talking and, and, and make sure that we are where we need to be, and um, you know the right mindset and, and preparation before the game. Um, but I don't think it's just a specific you know speech or, or just a player that has to you know. Do all the talking. You know, I think we we have been really good as a as a team the whole season to talk uh, before the games and uh, you know it's just a just a you know preparation as usual. Same. <laughs> <laughs> so Tuka, ah, Tuka, ah, Tuka gives the one word answer. Yeah, I mean, come on. I mean, when you ask a question from both those guys, Tuka's that, that gotta, never works. By the t- way, you can't. You no. can never for both you guys. That that's always awkward and, and uncomfortable. But I mean, bad teammate from from Tuka Terrible there. Not teammate. not not uh, not taking the uh, taking the mic to answer that right, question. Right, you got to grab the mic <laughs> first. There, I thought the same thing. What a low, what a dirtbag move from from Tuka. All right, now so a couple things there. First of all, he feels fine. No limitations. It's uh, something. There's no limitations. <laughs> Does it sound like there's no limitations? <laughs> yeah, seriously. It's, it's uh, somebody pointed out. It's like that Monty Python scene with the the, the black guy who's got his legs and arms cut off, and he's he's talking about it's a the flesh wound. Flesh wound. Uh, so, <laughs> no limitations. Then he says he's asked about the pregame speech. I think he said there it's a shared responsibility. We all have to talk. He actually said we all have to talk and share the responsibility of speaking before the game tonight. So shot at Tuca. Another right. shot at Tuca, but so if you're if you're actually in the room there, do you want Zdeno Chara getting up in front of you and uh, trying to, trying to give you? The, I don't know if he gets ever done that anyway. Like if uh, you're putting the pads on, you're if you're putting on the foil, and here comes Chara, he's gonna. I felt I felt very uncomfortable listening to him talk right there for two minutes. So I don't know if he's the guy that you want standing up to give the rah rah speech in the locker room before the game. I don't think that's gonna get the guys going. I'm hoping Cassidy takes a little more of those uh, reins tonight and Tuca, but you know. Can you eat food properly is a, is a Great question. quality question. Can you, <laughs> I think the obvious answer is yes, absolutely, he's eating food properly. But yeah, the fact that he actually said, yeah, is, is, is great. Five star. So this has not worked out like the Kurt Schilling bloody sock initially, 
I would love for somebody to ask him that question like uh, before next season. Just be like, out of context, hey, can you eat can food you properly? Eat food? <laughs> sure. Why not? Now, I think that was the one where Tuca, if you see the – it's just that the hand is over the face. He's just un, he's incredulous at the question coming in. Uh, it's got to be motivating from some point, though. I, I, I would think, you know, if you're just on the team, here's your captain. He's going through this. He's obviously uh, to going to extremes to come out and talk to the press through a broken jaw. Uh, you're you're going to uh, – motivation shouldn't be a factor tonight. It's just well, Motivation gonna... would have came before last game. And, you know, I, I thought that it was a really great moment f- before the game when when uh, when the crowd gave him that ovation. It was huge. And, yep. uh, you know, if if any motivation was coming, it was going to be before that game. And, um, you know, maybe it did, but clearly didn't didn't work out in terms of, of, you know, pushing them over the top. Now, if the officials had called the hit on Barbashev five minutes into the game and you got a guy with a five-minute major, which in hindsight, it should be, should right? Been. It should have been a five-minute major, and the guy should be, you know, a game misconduct. And they don't call anything. Now, they did get a penalty on Dunn for delay a game shortly thereafter, so they had a power play chance, and they kind of blew that. That's in the first seven minutes of the Although, contest. I mean, we know from the McAvoy hit, illegal hit to the head, doesn't have a, a five-minute classification unless you think that there was intent to injure. Well, could they have called elbowing, I guess, or um, uh, is there... Yeah, that's a good point. It, it should have been at least two. That's that's the thing. I mean, you have two suspensions in this series with a total of two minutes, which is insane. So we'll talk about the officiating. That's obviously the main storyline. Just kind of holding off on it here to start. But uh, it, it was one of those games where, as a Bruins fan, if you're watching it, I can understand if you're just so sickened by the whole thing. Like, you come out of there thinking, I don't even want to watch this product anymore. What a garage league. I can't believe this is happening. I wasn't here for the Cam Neely, uh, old Samuelson sequence, but I'm sure there were some similar you know, feelings at that time. But it, it is amazing to see that third period call. And the poll question we had up on the morning show was, all right, what is Kelly Sutherland thinking? What's going on in his brain? Was it A, total incompetence, B, there's some sort of a reaction to the Corrali Flop, if you want to call it a flop. Uh, or is there something deeper going on in here, i.e. an anti-Boston bias? Is there uh, a, just a gun shyness? I think that would be another one to put in there. Are all these refs just afraid to call anything when they look at it, uh, now based on some of the miscues earlier in the postseason? So, well, my question is, why why haven't these officials been pulled from the series? Because well, have they, have they not? Have they? Well, they're not going to ref tonight, right? There's two... Okay sets of officials that have been alternating anyway. But, I mean, those guys shouldn't work again in the series. I, that goes without saying, yes. I, I mean, that would be unbelievable. If they put them back out there for Game 7 Wednesday night? I, I mean, you look at the, the two the officials have been pulled from this the, the playoffs twice, which was the uh, the five-minute major against Cody Eakin right. and the, uh, the Sharks-Golden Knights. Which, for people that forget the particulars now, this is a cross-check off a face-off. Eakin deserved two. They gave him five based on Pavelski hitting the ice and blood and, like, the reaction of the whole thing, right? right. They give him a five-minute major, and then Vegas gets scored leagues. on four times yeah. because of the major, which you could say, don't give up four goals on a major penalty. 
Should have been that, in that position but in the sh- first place. Right, so it's a terrible call, and Vegas and has every right to bitch. The other one was uh, the hand pass. Those those officials were removed from the playoffs as well. I the, mean, the, And the other one, really, the, McKinnon and Colorado got screwed on a technicality re- replay. The that was more, that was more but the it's not rule officiating, being stupid. Yes, right. Um, and you know, the, the hand pass is, I think, just as bad as, uh, as the tripping call. That led to the, to the game-winning goal. So I, those those officials should not work again in this series. And they haven't. I mean, right. so there have been two well, sets I mean, of officials that have been pulled. Yeah, but you're right. saying, but so. Right. Kelly Sutherland and. Uh, uh, What's the other one? I don't know. Kazari. Steve Kazari. Well, the two guys. Now, Kazari, I think, is the one who missed the barbership hit. And obviously, Kelly Sutherland is the guy directly behind the play, looking directly at the at the right. trip. There, there's no, there's, there's no excuse for like maybe he didn't see it. You can see he's clearly looking at the play. He, the puck's right there. There's no excuse to miss that. So, yeah, I mean, officiating has been. It, I, so what's I, your so what's your answer of, of those poll question options? Incompetence, incompetence bias, incompetence. There's no it, bias. There's nothing going on here. There's no. I I think that there's a after Bruby's comments. I think that there it was definitely a shift in officiating, and I think that there was. Uh, more of a, I don't know if you want to say gun shy, but I, I think that there was a uh, more of a, an awareness of the Blues are getting called too much, and I think that they 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 gave the Blues some more calls, and and but I I think that the the tripping call was more of just incompetence. Would would it be really shocking though? Like Paul Stewart was on with Dalen Keefe, and he got upset at this notion. But would it be that surprising that the officials would approach like Stephen Walcom? I don't know if Bettman would be involved, but the head of officiating would come to his crew and say, look, we're, we don't want to be the story. We were the story in the Vegas series. Let's dial it back. Let's let these guys decide it. And then after game three where the Bruins win 7-2 to two and there's all these penalties and Barubi's yapping, they then kind of recheck themselves and say, you know what, let's back off a little bit. Let's call right. it. It's egregious. No, no, no official wants to say we call it differently in the playoffs than we do in the regular season, but we see it all the time. It happens. Yeah. Naturally, you want to let the players decide things on the ice. And that's that mentality, if that's what's happening, benefits St. Louis, plain and simple, because they're just a better 5-on-5 team. Unfortunately for Boston, right. I mean, that's partly their fault that they're flawed in that way, but Boston is a much superior special teams uh, on both sides of it through the series. So if that's the case, it's it's an anti-Boston bias, intentionally or unintentionally, that's crept into this series. Yeah, I guess you say the, the Bruins special teams, so good. That it's it's been a detractor because the the officials don't want to be the story. Right, bad year for your for you to be relying on your special teams. Terrible year for it. it the special teams have been so good that the officials don't want it to to be the story. So they're they're calling less for uh, for the Bruins. And I, I I don't want to 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 say that the Bruins are losing in the series because of officiating because they've been the worst team at five on five, and, and that was sort of the the way that I approached my takeaways from from Game Five. Is that yeah? You got screwed, but also you did not deserve to win that game. So, um, but yeah. you can say that, and it's a one nothing game, and it, without that call, right? It's there's one a nothing very and, realistic and you're chance. You're on the power play in the third period. A very realistic chance you tie the game, and that game goes to overtime. And at that point, it's a coin flip. I mean, they weren't getting that severely outplayed. I guess they were. They they had a good first period, and they had a bad thirty ish minutes after. Well, they were getting severely outplayed at that point. Where the trip happened, they, they were. They started to turn it on after the that. 
Um, so, you know, but but I, we've, how many times have we seen that with the Bruins in uh, this playoff run and past years with this core where they turn it on the last five right. to ten and minutes? I mean, that's, and that's if you the, get put on the power play, yep. you, there's a great opportunity there. I mean, I know the power play wasn't playing great in game five, but I mean, you get put on the power play in a one ga- in a one goal game, and you're right back in it. So you can say, I don't want to whine about officiating, but if I'm a Bruins fan, I don't want to let the officiating off the hook and say, oh, well, the Blues were the better team. When it, there's a very realistic statement you can make to say we got screwed, we probably went, we could we had every chance to win that game, and this series is now three two in Boston's favor. So to me, by all means, whine about the officiating. You got totally hosed, and you every did, official and former sure. official agrees with it. Yeah, no. So I, and there were three there were three egregious calls in that game five that that really stood out yep. or non calls. It was the the hit on Johansson, the holding call that didn't get that didn't happen on Krug, which was ridiculous, and then obviously the trip. And so there were three three ones that really stood out where you can say they got hosed. Absolutely. Now, can you come back from that and uh, play against not only St. Louis but the officiating tonight in whatever form it's going to show itself? That would be quite a story for Boston to overcome that and win a cup uh, and go through that adversity. That's what they face going into Game 6 tonight. We want your thoughts on it. 617-779-7937. Freddie in New Hampshire is lined up. We'll get Fred's thoughts coming up next. We will have Matt Kalman on the line from Logan. He'll check in with some final thoughts. Pete has drastic line combinations. He is juggling everything up tonight. Uh, he is panicking, basically. He's in total panic mode. And he is working on getting unblocked by Kevin Paul DuPont. We're hoping by the end of the show it happens. Uh, it's been, a, what, a two-year run? Uh, more than that. I oh, think it's been like four run. or five years. All right. You've, uh, the olive branch has been extended. Yep. And uh, we'll see if Dupes responds. We're, uh, we're waiting uh, very patiently for that. Some great uh, columns out there. Uh, Snack bar guy had a uh, he dug deep today, and uh, really Harder pushed the, the envelope. Puck. Yep, and Tara Sullivan as well from the Globe. So we'll give you some of the uh, storylines around the local media. This is Sunday Skate on Sports Radio WEI. And in the situation, everybody's giving Barubi all this credit. Mm-hmm. That, you know, it, you know his mouth has turned the tide. I can promise you, and I know these guys, the referees, and I'm not ex- exonerating them or or whitewashing this whole thing. But I think, in the sense that that. That goes about as far as reading the paper and then flipping it into the trash because it really doesn't mean much to the guys on the ice. Disagree. Paul Stewart refs, has refed a lot more games than I have. Uh, Barubi's made an impact on this series. He's done a great job with tactical moves, and he has worked the officials magically. And Mike Milbury said this before Game 4 even happened, Pete. I'm going to give him credit. Pete Black from CBS Sports. We'll get Matt Calvin on the line later. But he said, if I'm Bruce Cassidy, I hear that from Barubi. I am in the official's office, and I am letting him hear, hey, this guy, don't listen to what this guy is saying. Let's go through the, you know, the facts of what's happened. What's, and I, he, I don't know if that happened or didn't happen, but it, <laughs> I would guess it didn't. I, I would guess Milbury had a right instinct, and I think Cassidy just, uh, it's two games too late, his politicking in this series. Uh, Barubi has made a difference. Absolutely, he's made a difference. I mean, the, again, the proof is in the pudding, and and. The audacity of that guy to say after Game Five, "Well, I'm not here to judge the officials." It's, are you absolutely kidding me? What that was a good joke. trolling. That was really good trolling. It was, it was it was a great troll. I mean, uh, I, I, there's absolutely no question in my mind that this this officiating flipped after his comments. So, uh, and as Tara Sullivan says, whining in the Stanley Cup Final should not have an effect on winning. Uh-huh, how's that for a headline? Oh whining should not God. have an effect on winning. So. Talking about the Bozak non-call, Tripgate, as uh, Calman calls it. And uh, if they lose this series, of course, it's going to be talked about for a long time in New England. But there's a chance it doesn't happen. Looking back to 2011 in Game 6, the headline in the Globe after that win at the Garden, unyielding Bruins roar back. 
5-2 win for the Bees in Game 6. Four goals in like a four-minute span of the first period. Roberto Luongo chased. Doesn't have to go down in history that way. We don't have to remember the Bozak call if the Bruins take care of business on the ice tonight. There's my motivational speech for you. There you go. But Fred in New Hampshire, I'm sure, is going to be bringing it this morning, and he's got the uh, platform right now. Freddie, good morning. Ken, Pete, morning. Morning. Hey, I don't want to talk about that, that non-call ever again, but, you know, yesterday I'm watching the NHL Network, and Stu Grimson had the nerve to say that the Bruins player embellished the call. I've seen that multiple times. Jerry Callahan said that. You want to go on concussion protocol to embellish a call? Come on, people. I mean, the nerve he has to say that. I mean, it's extremely difficult to to embellish a a trip from behind. You you don't see it coming. It's very hard to, to really embellish that. You know, Stu should go on construction protocol so they can rebuild his brain. <laughs> I mean, what do you think would have happened if Marshawn's the person who did that? You think he'd be playing today? Oh, he'd be out of the series. They, right, right. So it's just, it's a travesty. But, you know, the towns of Havero, Hammond's, Hammond's Place, and uh, Lassery, Lorette, they didn't, they didn't, Raise any quitters. They're going to step up today. They'll step up big time. Uh, this isn't over, and it's not going to go down this way. And the last thing I want to say, anybody that thought Chara wasn't coming back from a broken jaw, anybody that even, they're not watching this game. He's not going to, It's the. it was the fifth game of the Stanley Cup Finals. Do you think if, I mean, if his arm was broken, he still would have played. The, the guy is a beast, and we are so lucky to have him f- f- on the Bruins. Take care, guys. All right, Freddie. Hang in there, buddy. Game 7 is Wednesday. Stu Grimson will be uh, notified of your uh, shot across the bow. Fred V. I Stu only get one. I- I only got one Budweiser left, so you know what's, gonna, you know what's happening on Wednesday. Oh, oh, a lot of day drinking. Ooh, Take care. I, see you, buddy. Fred has been uh, Fred has been a weekly caller in the show for years. Hasn't missed. I think that his his best line of all time is con- construction, construction protocol. protocol. <laughs> Unbelievable. All right, Maria in Watertown, one of our other staples, is hot as well. We're going to give her uh, some time on the other side of the top hour uh, ID, if you will, and. Pete Blackburn said something right before we came back, which is mind blowing. Okay, this this is it's is this a Christian Fourier esque report? I don't want you to give it now. I'm going to tease this. Okay. Are you sure you want to give this report? Because if it's true, I'll say it's it's what I've heard. All right, this is a this could be a bombshell if this is the truth. Now, I'm based on the way Pete delivered it to me. I'm not sure it's well sourced or uh, you know, obviously you haven't put it on print and uh, no, or anywhere yet. No. But it's the talk show. It's worth, I think, exploring Throwing the possibilities. Uh, you're going to want to hear this coming up from Pete Blackburn. Hour 2 Sunday Skate, Sports Radio, WEI.